At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible or electronic device, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42 this morning. And um, today is one of those Sundays where we're not in the series. We're actually, uh, this is a one-off. And so throughout the year, um, we kind of have scheduled in one-offs where uh, what I'm preaching today is going to be completely different than what's being preached at other 14 campuses. Um, But typically what's being preached here is what's shared. But throughout the year, we have several times where as a campus pastor, I get a chance to just bring a, a message from God's word that I feel is helpful for our own body. And so today you're, you're getting a chance to hear a message that the Lord has placed on my heart that I want to share with you because I really believe like we're at a, at a very important time in the life of our church. A lot of great things are happening. God's moving in a lot of different ways. Um, but I really feel like we're just on the verge of like seeing God do like mighty breakthroughs. And uh, I'm excited about that. There's like, I don't know if you can sense it, but there's this kind of like, there's this buzz in the air. Like when you come here and it, it feels like I, I can feel the presence of the Lord and God is working in individual lives, but I believe he's also working together. And so today I wanted to, to bring forth a message entitled Be Devoted. And you know, uh, tomorrow we actually celebrate Labor Day and that is the unofficial end of summer and it's the beginning of fall. Now, how many of you are like fall people? Okay, good. How many of you are summer people? Okay, so, so some of you are rejoicing, some of you are mourning. I, I get it. We're in different places th- this morning. And, and, you know, whoever you are, you know, fall and the unofficial end of summer is uh, a part of our, our lives and we move on in establishing new rhythms. Well, last month, so I, I'm kind of a summer guy, but I'm also kind of a fall guy. I just don't like being hot. Right? I, I can take cold, but I just don't like, like the sticky, like yesterday was a terrible day, right? Like when you go outside and you're like, oh, I can't breathe because it's just so humid. Like that was a terrible day. But some people are like so much fall that it's crazy. Uh, last month we were in New Mexico and there's this gas station we pulled up into and it said, welcome fall y'all. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's like the beginning of August. The, and they got like pumpkin spice, this, or like scented candles as you walk into this gas station. I was like, no, please make it stop. Like, I just want to have summer for a little bit longer. And then some of you are like, yeah, bring it on. Like, we put the Christmas tree away and we bring back out the pumpkin spice. Like, we're ready. Fall all the time. I say all that to say, fall reminds us is that this is a time of year where we have the opportunity to establish new rhythms. Right? Fall is the time where kids go back to school, where uh, the seasons change, it starts getting darker earlier, and pretty soon you guys will be driving home at 5.15 at night with your bright lights on because it gets super dark, and just be prepared for that. Nobody, no one in Michigan like, loves February, right? Is there anyone here that loves February? No, we get through February so that we can have our summer and, and our fall. And you know, it just gives us an opportunity um, to establish new rhythms. But here's the thing is that if we're not careful, if you're not careful, we are going to, in just a moment, we'll blink and it'll be the new year. And you'll look back and you'll be like, what just happened to fall? 
Like right now, a lot of times, like even kids that go back to school and they're like, this year's gonna be different. I'm gonna be a better student. I'm gonna actually do my homework. I'm gonna do this and do that. And you know, they have big plans, but they have big dreams. But if they don't carry through with big plans, then they get to like the end of the school year and they're like, why am I still failing, right? So there's a way in which we can look at our time and we can be passive about it or we can be proactive about it. Passively, we, if, we just, if we just do nothing, then what's going to happen is our time's going to be filled with stuff and we won't actually accomplish the things that we really desire to do. Does that make sense? Let me, let me give you a quick example. Now, I did this a little bit different in the first service and it was an epic fail, so hopefully in this service it'll go a little bit better. So imagine in your life the beautiful thing about all of us here today is that we all have the same amount of time, right? I can't add any more time to my day, and you can't add any more time to our day. We have the same amount of time. And if we live our lives passively, so this jar represents our life, and it's full of pieces of rice, which are moments, right? In our moments, they're, pe- they're minutes, they're hours, they're, they're that. And if we're not careful, if we're passive, then time is just going to be filled, Right? We're, it's our, we are busy people. Regardless of what happens, you're a busy person, I'm a busy person, but we're not all pro- proactively busy people. Some of us are allowing to, ourselves to be mastered by tasks and not managing those tasks well. And so what happens is each one of us have um, time in our lives, and if we're passive about it, our life will be filled with activity. But in each one of our lives, we all have things that are super important. Right? Things that were like, I really need to do this. This is a, a, a primary importance in my life. So maybe if you're a parent, like a, part, a big part of your life should be your kids, like caring for them, providing for them. Um, if you're married, then your marriage should be primary, right? If you leave it alone, then it's not going, you're not going to drift into a deeper marriage if you just kind of like let it go by the wayside. And then there's other important things in your life. And I'm not ascribing importance based on size, but you do and we all do, right? We all have them and, and many of them are different. But here's the thing. If we're passive about our time and we allow our time to be filled, these things that are of utmost importance really have no space, right? And if we go through time, we're like, I don't have time to focus in on my marriage, I don't have time to be a better dad. I don't, I don't have time to do these things because I'm so busy. When in reality, the one thing that you can control, like there's a, there's a myriad of things that are completely beyond your control. And if you're a control freak, I'm going to give you a piece of, you're going to be like, yes, I went to church today and the pastor said there's something I can control. There's one thing. You can control how you manage your time. You, that's up to you, right? They're important things. I, I get it. They're important things, but you get to determine what's important, right? Your job, that's important, right? You gotta, you gotta pay the bills. You gotta provide. You gotta do those things. Those things are important, but here's the beautiful thing about what we can control or what we can determine. If we start off taking our time, and I did this in the first service and it went all over the place, so I'm not gonna do that. Imagine for a moment, I dump this out, okay? And now you have a clean slate, you get to determine what becomes your primary things that you put into your bucket. And so what if instead of allowing time to fill yourself, you were proactive and you said, first, I'm gonna put in my marriage. I'm gonna make sure that that's primary. So activities and other things get determined around what's important. 
Then you're like, well, my job's important. That's a big part of that, and that, that, that's a part of it too, so things get determined. Like your schedule gets determined by when you work, right? That's kind of how that works as, as well. And then maybe there's something else that's of utmost importance in your life. You put those things in first, and then time gets filled all the way around it, and your life is still full, but at the end of the day, you, are, you will have the opportunity to accomplish the things that you have determined to be of utmost importance. Does that make sense? Right? What we want to do and what we make primary fo- focus is what we end up doing. So in this season of our lives, as we're heading into fall, establishing new rhythms and all that, I want you to think about what are those things that are super important? What are the things that you want to focus in on? What are the things that you want to elevate to the top of your time schedule? And today I want to give you one of those. One of those should be your devotion to Christian community. As a follower of Christ, that should be one of those big buckets, one of those big items that go in the bucket first. Because as a believer, as a follower of Christ, God has not called us to live in isolation, but God has called us to live in community. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. As we look at um, at Acts chapter 2, what we're going to see is that when we devote ourselves to Christian community, it will change your life. That's a promise. If you devote yourself to Christian community, it will change your life. As we come to the passage today, we're looking at Acts chapter 2. I want to give you the context because we're jumping in in the middle of an unfolding of a beautiful story of redemption. I want you to see where it's at so we don't lose connection. So we go back to the end of the Gospels, right? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those tell the story of Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, right? So it tells the whole gamut of the good news that why Jesus is so important in our life is because he's done all of those things. Then we get to the book of Acts. And at the beginning of the book of Acts, we see in Acts chapter one, Jesus has resurrected. He's already done the work to redeem us from sin and and to do the work of dying on the cross for our sins and then coming back to life. And what we see him doing in Acts chapter two is he spends 40 days with his disciples. He spends 40 days in his resurrected body, hanging out with them, eating with them and talking with them about the, uh, the kingdom of God. Because what was about to happen is that these disciples are going to transition into becoming apostles, which are going to lay the groundwork for this new thing called the church, this new community of believers. And so before they were set out to do this work through the power of the Holy Spirit, they needed to be convinced that Jesus was really alive. And that's what it says in the beginning of Acts, that he gave, that Jesus gave them many convincing proofs. He proved to them. They all saw him on the cross. They all saw that he was taken from the cross. And when he was taken from the cross, he was dead. And then they also saw him alive because these disciples had a mighty task. And so now what's taking place is Jesus has come back to life. He spent 40 days with them. He's given them a mission that they are to go and to take this good news, the message of Jesus, not only to their town, but to the ends of the earth. That's what he tells me. He says, I, and I'm gonna give you power to do this. I'm not asking you to do this on their own, but you gotta take this message, the things that you've seen, the things that you've heard, the, that which you've witnessed and you've experienced, now I want you to take it to the ends of the earth. Mighty, mighty mission. And so what do they do? 
They begin to carry out that mission. As Jesus ascends back into heaven, he says, I'm leaving, but I'm gonna send a helper to you. You no longer need me, but you'll have my full power and my full presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter stands on this day, as, as, on one day as the crowds are all around, he begins to step up and he begins to preach and he communicates about how God has come to us through Jesus and how Jesus, whom, uh, whom we crucified, whom they crucified, is really life. And in that moment, people repent of their sins in like massive ways. The Holy Spirit comes down and people are changed. Thousands of people come to know Christ in an instant. And so... What we've got coming into to chapter two is now we've got this new community of people that are all believers and now they've got to figure out what is this, what is this and how, how do we live? And so God gives the power to the apostles to begin to establish life in this new thing called the church. Now, just share with you how crazy this is, right? So you have a group of Jewish people who were raised underneath the law, understanding that this is how you communicate to God and, and you live right before God by doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. And so they've lived their whole lives under the law. Then you've got a group of Gentiles who have lived their lives with pagan practices and doing all of this, celebrating this and celebrating that, sacrificing this, sacrificing that. And now you've got these two polar opposite groups living together in a community called the church, this new body that no one has ever seen before. The world has never understood before and now they're called to live in unity together it's it's pretty amazing right they needed to know how they're supposed to live and how they're supposed to walk and how they're supposed to operate in this new thing and we jump in to Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 42 and what we see is the writer of Acts Luke gives us a picture or a summary of what life looked like in the early church as this Christian community was gathering together. What did it look like back then? And he gives us a picture of what it should look like today. So today, as we look at this text, what I want us to be challenged with is devoting yourself to Christian community will change your life. If you make Christian community one of those big blocks that you put in your bucket and you say, you know what, I'm, this is primary. I'm gonna change my schedule. I'm gonna change my rhythm of life around this rhythm. It's going to change everything. And so as we look at our, our text today, I want us to see two truths. First, what we should devote ourselves to. And then I want us to see the benefits of that devotion. So let's first, we'll see that we are called to devote yourself to a Christian community. Look with me in verse 42. It says, and they, these are the group of new believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Luke tells us that after these individuals placed faith in Jesus, these new believers devoted themselves to Christian community. Now, this word devotion is a word that carries a deeper commitment. It's interesting that he doesn't say, and these new believers dabbled in Christian community. Right? There's a big difference between dabbling and devotion, right? When we dabble, we're like, I'm going to try this out. If it works out, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll like it. And so you're kind of in, you're kind of out, you're kind of here, you're kind of hot, you're kind of cold and all that. That's dabbling, right? But being devoted is a steadfast commitment to say, I'm all in, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm not here uh, only when it's easy and when it's fun. I'm here through the good, the bad, and the ugly, 
I mean, it's, it's kind of like when we, are, we enter into a marriage relationship. You're to be devoted to that relationship, even when you wake up in those mornings and you don't feel like being married, right? You guys have all been there, right? Like you wake up in the morning, you're like, yeah, I'm married. I don't feel like things start, but, but you're devoted. You're like, I'm staying. I'm committed to this. I'm all in on this, even in the days I don't feel like it. And so this is exactly what Paul is, or not Paul, um, Luke is saying the church people did. They were devoted. They took their chips and they said, we're all in. I'm, I, there's no plan B. There's no plan C. There's no other option. I'm giving myself fully over to this new, new community. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I'm, I'm fully devoting myself to it. And so they were devoted. They remained constant. And their commitment to the church and to this Christian community changed everything about the rhythms of life. Right? They, they, when they said, hey, I'm fully in, it changed everything. Right? It changed what, how they lived. It changed how they felt. It changed what they did. It changed how they used their resources. And we see here that they devoted themselves to two primary things. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and second, to fellowship. They committed themselves to sitting under the authority of God's word, to saying to themselves, hey, this is the primary source of truth. This is the, the source of truth for my life. Everything about my life that I need to know for wisdom and godliness and all that is in here. But the beautiful thing about life back then is they didn't have the New Testament. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was still working to... Um, to inspire men to write the, the New Testament. So that's, that story's still unfolding. So what did they have? All they had was Old Testament scripture. So imagine how beautiful it was, especially for the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish believers, right? That had, had grown up hearing about the law and hearing about all this. And as the apostles, as they're preaching the word of God, they're going to Old Testament texts and they're saying, you see here, see what God was doing here? It's pointing to Jesus, you see what he did here? That's pointing to Jesus. You see what he did there? That's pointing to Jesus. So every single day, their appreciation for their heritage, their appreciation for and love for the scriptures continued to grow. And it was the fulfillment of all things hoped for in the past was fulfilled in Christ. And now every day, the apostles are communicating that to them and their hearts are full, saying this is how much our great God loves us. And the word of God, this, this is not some archaic book that was written that is out of date to a culture that we can't connect with. This word is alive. This is God's revelation to you and to me of himself. The God of the universe wants to know you and wants you to know him. And he wants you to know how you're supposed to live in fine joy and peace. And it's all contained in here. And so primarily they devoted themselves to the teaching, to the teachings of the word. They believed that the word of God needed to have the preeminent place in their lives so it could be their primary influencer. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, we see that they committed themselves to each other, right? They devoted themselves to fellowship. That's, that's the word of just doing life together, being vulnerable and transparent to other people by saying, hey, I want you to come close to me. I want you to see my life and to share my life. I, I know one of the greatest needs that's in our beings as a person is to be known. 
right? We want people to know us. We want to be known. We want to be loved and we want to be accepted. And God has given us the beautiful gift of the church. And so it says that we're not called to live in isolation, but to live in fellowship where we care for one another, where we're transparent with one another, where we enter into relationships with one another. And then we see that this relationship, this fellowship gets fleshed out through the breaking of bread, right? Now, the scholars say that in some ways there's probably two reasons or two meanings of this. One primarily is as a, the church, we break bread together in celebration of the Lord's Supper, right? That's that constant reminder that we all got into this community together through the same way. How did we get here? Through the work of Christ, We are brothers, not because of what we've done. We are brothers and sisters, not because of what we've done, but because what Jesus has done and in what we believed. And when we believe in the work of Jesus, that's what gives us this community. So later on today in the service, we are gonna break bread together. We are gonna share in the Lord's Supper. And so if you didn't grab this on your way in, you will have a time in a little bit to go grab that um, so we can share that together. But also, it's this imagery, not only just of, of, of the Lord's Supper, which is here, but also sharing in meals together. I don't know about you, but in my family, some of the most intimate times that we've shared is around a table, right? Where we gather together to celebrate birthdays or we celebrate Thanksgiving or whatever, but there's something special about sharing a meal together with other people, inviting people into your home. And so this is the imagery of what the church looked like. They devoted themselves to each other, to the breaking of bread, to sharing in meals together and praying. They devoted themselves to prayer both individually and corporately. They gathered together and they went to the God of the universe on behalf of each other and on behalf of their own needs. And they were constantly asking the God of the universe to intercede in their lives. What a strong, beautiful devotion, right? Being devoted to knowing God more and knowing others more was primarily on their hearts. So they prayed together, they lived together, they worshiped together. Not too long ago, I read this uh, story that John MacArthur wrote. He's entitled At the Lonely, Lonely Ember, and I'm going to uh, paraphrase that story. It's the story of, of a young man who got involved in the church and was super active. He was a part of um, growing and being discipled by the church. And one day what had happened is the pastor realized that um, the guy had stopped coming to church. And so instead of just wondering, hey, what's going on? The pastor decides, hey, I'm gonna go pay him a visit. I just wanna go see how this guy's doing. And so he shows up on his door, knocking on his door. The guy opens the door. The pastor steps in, doesn't say a word. I was, oh, like, I, I understand it can be awkward sometimes to meet with a pastor, right? I'm just a normal guy, but it can be awkward for whatever reason. But this was an extremely awkward encounter, okay? So the pastor comes in, comes into the house, doesn't really say anything, but sits down right by the fire. And so the man that had, had come to church and hadn't been there in a while comes and sits down next to the fire too, and they're just standing. They're sitting there looking, gazing into the fire in silence. No words, no eye contact. And after a certain amount of time, the pastor goes and gets a pair of tongs looks inside the fire and sees one of the embers that are growing, glowing so bright and is super hot. He goes in there with the tongues, grabs that ember and pulls it out and sets it on the ground. And they just sit there and watch. 
And slowly but surely, the light and the glow and the fire that was once a part of that glowing ember and now is diminished and its light goes away. And then after a few minutes, the pastor grabs the tongs again, picks that, picks that once burning ember back into the fire and guess what happened to it? The glow returned. It became red hot again and began to have life again. The pastor stands up walks out the door, still in silence, totally awkward. And the guy responds to the pastor on his way out. Pastor, thank you for that fiery sermon. I'll see you in church on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, if you, want, if you want an illustration, like I, I can't think of a better illustration of why church community, why being devoted to church community is so important, right? You are not meant to live this life in isolation. Because everything out there is seeking to devour you. Everything out there is seeking to take away your mind, your attention, and your affections. And we need one another, right? We need one another. We need one another because life is hard. God doesn't just save us and call us home. God saves us and he calls us to stay here so that we can be his light to the nations. And so we need each other. Here at Woodside, it's my desire as the shepherd of this congregation to make sure to challenge you. I, I want to challenge you. Like you want a deep challenge, here it is. Devote yourself to this local body. Devote yourself here. That means give yourself over to it. Is this church perfect? Absolutely not. Will you get hurt? Yes, you will. But will you have a changed life? Yes, you will. Life is messy, right? Life, like we're hurting people. And one of the things that, that happens a lot of times is that hurt people hurt people. But the beauty is, is that we have the bond of Christ that allows us to forgive one another and to live in this community together. Yeah, some of you are here. I know you've been hurt by the church before. Don't allow your past experiences to, to, to dictate your distance from us. Okay, like I'm, I'm not telling you to be devoted to the church. The word of God is telling you to. Like you should be primarily devoted to a local body. If it's not this one, that's fine. Go get involved in another church. But if you're looking for the perfect church, you're not gonna find it. The, the Bible doesn't say, hey, go be devoted to the perfect church that fulfills all your needs, that has all the ministries and all the things that you need as a consumer. No, he doesn't say that. It says they devoted themselves to each other like the believers that were around them. Why? This is what God calls us to. Let me just, I pray that you would be moved in three areas today. As we take a look at this, and, and I wanna talk about devotion to this place for a second. 10 years ago, statistics said that if a, a person was considered active church member, that they attended church two out of four times or 50% of the time they would come to church. That was their devotion. You're a devoted churchgoer if you attend church two times a month. Now, 10 years later, devotion among church members, churchgoers, is down to one Sunday a month. Really? Really? Like if I were to go to my wife and be like, hey babe, I'm going to be devoted to you. 
once. How about I be devoted to you 25% of the time? Are you good with that? What do you think she's going to say? No, she's gonna say, that, that, no, that, that doesn't, that's not how this works, right? Like we're married, we're devoted to this. You, you've got to be faithful all the time, right? And in much the same way, like we gotta, we've got to understand our devotion. This is God's design, right? In, in all of its messiness and all of its imperfection, this is God's design, and so God calls us to be devoted to this. So I want to I say, like, as you're preparing and looking for your rhythms this fall, make church, this worship gathering, of utmost importance. And, and, and even fathers, like, I want to push on you here, dads. I, I, I know for many of you, like, in my own life, um, my wife carries the calendar. Like, she knows where everyone's supposed to be. At the, but if I, if I say something, hey, babe, we need to make this importance, guess what she does? She puts it on the calendar and makes it happen. So dads, like you've got to own this. You've got to lead in this. Like if you're going to be devoted to the church, you've got to make it a priority. That might mean like you don't stay up so late on Saturday, like put the kids to bed a little bit earlier on Saturday night so that they're not so tired when they come to church on Sunday morning. But make this primary importance. Come and say, okay, I know that something's going to happen on Sunday morning. Like when we gather in this place together, our hearts are knitted together, right? It's, it's something where there's, there's a spirit inside of us that says, okay, I'm home. Especially when we live in a world that wants us to feel like we're awkward and not accepted all over the place. So I'm gonna challenge you this fall, make a commitment to attend weekly gatherings. Second, I wanna encourage you to commit to a life group. Now we here at Woodside, like we, culture is a little bit different, right? But the truths of scripture still remain. And we at Woodside, our desire is the, the platform that we give for people, for people to be known is not just the worship gathering. It's impossible for you to be fully known if you just commit to worship on Sunday morning, right? Life happens and you might see people that are familiar, but do you know like the story of everyone that's in the worship center today? I don't even know the story of everyone that's here today. Right? So it's impossible for us to fully be known and to fully know each other. That's why we have to gather in smaller groups. And life groups are the way in which we do that. So life groups meet throughout the week. Some meet every other week. Some meet every week. And it's an opportunity for us as a smaller part of the greater body to gather together to be known. So you can be prayed for and you can pray with others. So you can know what the struggles of some others are and what the joys of others are so that you can study God's word together in a smaller group, so that you can share over meals together, so that you can do life together. Life groups are a way that people are known. So I wanna encourage you, like this fall, if you're not connected to a life group, get connected to a life group. Choose to do life with other people. And then the third, just application of this, is I want you to consider committing to membership here at Woodside. They did a study uh, last year about this time where they took a look at all Woodside attenders and they took a look at Woodside attenders here even at the Warren campus. And what, what we found through that investigation was that of the people that call Woodside home, that attend on a weekly basis or attend our weekly gatherings that call Woodside home, only 50% of them are actually members. Did you hear that? 50% are members. 50% of people that call this home are actively saying, okay, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say, I'm a member here. I'm, I'm putting it down that I'm committed. 
Now, if you're, you're an attender and you've been here and this is home for you, we love you. But my encouragement to you is, is that you're missing out and we're missing out if you're not fully committed. So you can become a member. We have our membership classes, next steps that happen. We, they started today and then go next Sunday and the following Sunday. You can get connected to that as well. So commit, commit to weekly gatherings, commit to a life group, and then commit to membership. Membership is, is not just something that's on a piece of paper. What membership is, is you saying, okay, I'm committed here and we're committed to you as well. As a church member, you have deeper care because we love you and we want to know you. You have deeper accountability, but you also are a part of our family in a deeper way. So I love the fact that we see that, that Luke is saying, hey, these new believers devoted themselves. And what we're going to see next is this devotion had results. We're going to see as we continue this passage the life-changing effects of that devotion. Just like if you devote yourself to like working out and eating healthy, guess what's going to happen? Like if you work out and you eat healthy, guess what's going to happen to your body? It's going to get healthy. Right? No, no one eats right and, and exercises and then gains 47 pounds. Like that, that doesn't happen unless you're on some like weird diet, but then you're not eating properly. But if you take care of yourself and you do what you're supposed to do, it's going to breathe health. And in the same way, if we do something that, that God calls us to do, we live in the way he calls us to do, it's going to produce outcomes. And so second, I want us to see from this passage how we can experience the benefits of Christian community. Look at me in verse 43. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Do you see the outpouring, the effects of devotion? The devotion to the word and to each other impacted the ways that they lived. It says here that there was a sense of awe among them. As they sat back and they watched God doing what only God can do, they were in awe. As God was, God was healing marriages, he was fixing relationships, he was taking away shame, he was doing all this. They were like, oh my goodness. They were so overwhelmed by the work of God in the lives of people because you know what? People were telling each other their stories. And they did so because they were in community. You know what God did for me this week? You know what I saw God do? You know what God just did? You know what God just did? And as we're in community sharing those stories, we're like, man, like the God of the Bible is really alive and he's active. And then it goes on and says, not only were they, they, they were filled with awe, but they learned how to love and live in community together. They had all things in common. This led to them serving one another and giving generously to each other as one had need. The early church was marked by faithful attendance. They met together daily in the temple courts. They prayed together. They gave of each other. They showed hospitality to each other. They enjoyed favor with each other. And by living in this way, their lives were a witness to an unbelieving world. So much so that the Lord added to their number every single 
day those that were being saved. You know, in our hearts is a deep desire for community. In each one of us is this deep sense to want to be bigger, be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And God shows us that though the things of the world want to provide those things, you're never going to find healing in them. Right? If, if you don't believe that community is on our hearts, like just turn on the TV on a Saturday or Sunday over the next several weeks and watch a football game. Right? Whether it's college or professional, right? you see people that have devoted themselves to this team because they want to feel like they're a part of something bigger. So what do they do on Saturday or Sunday? They fill stadiums and they cheer on their team. Now, you guys all know I'm a huge Detroit Lions fan. I'm a huge Detroit Lions fan. I love them, and I think this year, this might be the year. <laughs> until week four, until week four, right? Right, and so, like, it's, I love being a part. I love sharing in the, the commiserie and, and the misery and, and all of that, the highest highs and the lowest lows. But here's the difference about that. Like, community is set on our hearts, Right? And if we give our devotion over to something like that, if we are a die-hard something-something fan, the difference is no matter how much I'm devoted to the Detroit Lions, I do not make one ounce of a difference in whether they win or lose. You following me? I mean, I can scream to the top of my, I can get like 900 tattoos all over my body. I can drive a Detroit Lions, Lions mobile. I can do all that, but guess what? I'm not impacting the outcome of the game. I do nothing. And so really my devotion, if we're honest, like if we're really, my devotion is nothing. Except for pay salaries, right? Because I'm buying all of the paraphernalia and doing all that other stuff. How devotion in the church is different is that when you devote yourself to the church, you make a difference. You are an integral part of this body. This body finds success or failure based on your devotion. Do you believe that? And we need you. We need you. Yes, this is an imperfect family. This is an imperfect church. Yes, we hurt each other. Yes, we do those things. But the beauty is we have forgiveness. We have each other. We have the blood of Jesus that unites us and unites us for a purpose. We are not here to be a country club. We are not to be a place where you can just come, sit and be like, okay, thank you church, you make me feel better and go. No, we are here so that God would mobilize us to go and reach the nations. And when we live like scripture has described for us, the world desires that so deeply and wants to be a part of it. So church family, I know I love you. No, I love you. And my prayer is, is that we enter into this fall season by devoting ourselves to the word and to each other. And let us see just what God wants to do. Let us just be a part of saying, look at what God has done. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, man, you're missing out. You know in your heart that there's something missing and I, maybe you've lived your whole life trying to fill that missing void with relationships or with work or whatever and you still feel empty. Well, I want you to know what's been missing is Jesus. Jesus wants to be the center of your life. And if you want to know more about him, I'm going to be available out in the lobby after service. Come by and say, Pastor, I need to know Jesus. And I would love to share with you how you can know him. But for others, what are you devoted to? 
What have you given your life over to? What have you given your attention and your affection and, and all that you are over to? I challenge you. I challenge you to make your attention and your affections devoting yourself to the word and to each other. And let us see God do mighty things. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.